Good evening, everyone. My friends, we begin with our Old Testament reading, and uh, we hear about David, and because of his great success on the battlefield, David has become very, very popular with the people. And as a result, Saul saw him as a threat and was trying to kill him at every turn. And uh, this first reading contains the moving story about how David had an opportunity to kill the king, but refused to do so because in his eyes, uh, Saul was the king of Israel and he had been appointed by God. And so David turns down this opportunity for revenge to kill Saul because he believes it would not be right before God. David could care less what the people thought. In this moment, he was worried about what God would think about this. And yet, we hear in that story, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. What will you do? And David's like, I will not touch him. Friends, our reading from 1 Corinthians is completely out of place in the readings today, as it is typical with St. Paul. Uh, unless you read the whole chapter, at least the, the paragraph before and after, it doesn't make much sense to you, does it? What, it's like, what is he talking about? He is, this is in the middle of an argument that he's having with the Corinthian community. They do not believe in the resurrection of the body. They think there's no point in the body. What they, it's a Greek thought that they had. So he's arguing with them, and we get this peace. And when you just read that piece, I don't know how you thought. I was like, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I knew what was going on, but I read it. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with the first reading in the gospel? Nothing. <laughs> Not really. I mean, yes, everything's about Jesus and his resurrection, but I mean, the theme doesn't work. And... Uh, my friends, in our gospel, we have the continuation of the Sermon of the Plain. And remember, this is a homily by Jesus. We heard about, we heard what we know as the Beatitudes last week. And this is the continuation of this homily. And the Beatitudes were shocking to people. And now what Jesus just said is incredibly shocking. Um, and Jesus' vision of human behavior is at such a variance uh, with the view that most people have that many people regard it as humanly unachievable. And therefore, people will ignore it. From a human point of view, it is un unachievable, but divine help is needed for it. And um, Jesus stresses the duty of charity and loving one's enemy and the obligations uh, that come forth from that. And I know most people think, oh gosh, you have to be a great saint or a hero to do this. And I know most people do not consider themselves to be heroes. However, in certain circumstances, ordinary folk become capable of what appears to the world to be heroic behavior. We hear stories of people who put themselves in harm's way to save the life of another, often a stranger to them. And there are circumstances that seem to bring out the very best in people. Oftentimes we hear about how it brings out the worst in people, but there are certain circumstances where the very best of the human comes forward uh, and makes them capable of behaving in heroic ways um, of which they would normally never consider themselves capable. 
There are people who have died trying to save the life of another. And we must reflect on that. Why do people do such things? We can often think about why do people do such wicked things, but let us go the opposite way. Why do they do such wonderful things? Well, most people would consider themselves reasonably decent and generous. Um, they would not be prepared to promise that they would risk their own lives for someone else. Certainly not a stranger. Perhaps then it is love that causes one to act heroically. And then to its counter, perhaps it is fear or the fear of failing and having to live with that failure that would cause a person to not act heroically. At any rate, we all recognize that ordinary people like ourselves have the capacity to heroic actions in certain circumstances. In this part of Jesus' sermon, his homily, there is something heroic being put forth. It goes beyond what most folks would consider to be neighborly or even good behavior. A reaction one could have to this part of the homily is, I cannot imagine myself following these teachings on a regular basis, day to day. But there might be a circumstance when I might rise to the occasion and follow it, what Jesus is putting forth. I say this very carefully. The ordinary Christian, we could imagine, is not into loving enemies or giving away more to someone who has already taken stolen from them. Maybe only a saint could do such a thing. And no one seriously expects that of a Christian on a regular basis. So I went to the gospel. Does the gospel interpret the teaching of Jesus, this homily, where it would put forth that sentimentality, that mentality? Would it be acceptable? And the answer I found was no. Nowhere are we told that Jesus, this teaching of his, was meant only for his apostles, only for those who are walking with him in this life. Jesus meant it for every single human person, and especially for those who would say they are his disciple. In this sense, then, the Sermon of the Mount can be very unsettling for us. Jesus' sermon upon reflection calls the disciple, I'm talking about us, not the apostles, us. Great challenge because it challenges the way we see the world and our understanding about values and virtues and charity. It challenges the status quo and... Um, I suspect his teaching will challenge a Christian all their life. If it doesn't, perhaps you need to ask yourself why it does not bother you or challenge you. How would it sound to say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, provided I do not have to take seriously his teachings? Certainly not the ones he presented in the Sermon on the Plain. It would be like saying, I am Catholic, 
but do not really take the sacraments seriously. It's a silly and meaningless thing, then, to say. Up to the point in Luke's gospel read today, the principal fault with Jesus, this generation that he found was their hardness of heart. They did not recognize the actions and the presence of the Messiah, which would be he, Jesus, and what God had been doing among them the whole time. Certainly this was a cause of frustration for Jesus of Nazareth. My friends, our failure to recognize the Sermon of the Plain as central to Jesus' teaching and to assimilate it into our lives as disciples also comes from hardness of heart. It then also would be a source of frustration for our Lord. As the Sermon on the Mount is, like I said, a homily of Jesus, and the homilist usually preaches from his heart. So this is integral to Jesus and Jesus' plan to bring in God's kingdom of peace and justice on this earth. I find this peace was in Matthew's gospel. I had to go to Matthew's gospel and there, uh, which is the Sermon of the Mount, and known as the Beatitudes also, um, is Matthew has it explained out differently but more clearly than Luke does. And um, this is the plan of, to bring in the reign of God on earth. And it's found in Jesus' homily, the Sermon of the Mount, the Beatitudes. My friends, then, this gospel is an indictment on all of us Christians Clearly, it is our Lord's desire to work through us, to be his instruments in this world. But hardness of heart is putting a wrench in God's plan. Perhaps a fresh look at the precepts found in Jesus' homily is in order, but we need the grace of the Holy Spirit to assist us. Hardness of heart prevents us from making the radical change required in discipleship, the radical change that Jesus is calling forth in his Beatitudes, in his homily, in the Sermon of the Mount, or the Sermon on the Plain, as Luke calls it. Of course, the Lord forces no one to follow him. The decisive factor in dealing with one's hardness of heart will not be only our desire to do so, which is needed, but will actually need grace and the role of the Holy Spirit. Because when you look at it, as I began the homily, who could do that? We will need to ask the Holy Spirit to assist us, and there is no other way of moving forward towards radical change in how we live out our Christian discipleship every day. We are truly open to the Holy Spirit, to our Lord's abundant grace, then and only then will Jesus' central teaching no longer seem heroic, but it will, uh, like just for the holiest of holy people, we won't view it. If we continue to see it as that's only for saints, that is only for the holiest of holy, it will always remain that way. But it is for us, and it is achievable. 
Remember in Matthew's gospel, what precedes, what comes before his homily, Jesus teaches his disciples a prayer, the Our Father as we know it. And um, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will only happen when we embrace his homily, the Beatitudes. Then will it have such a profound and tangible meaning when we will have embraced that. Then will we understand truly these words found in the prayer that God taught us. My friends, uh, sometimes we look for examples, and I can certainly point out St. John Paul the Great. I mean, we all remember the assassination attempt on him. And the minute he got out of the hospital, he goes to the assassin, not to yell at him, but to tell him, I forgive you. Now, I don't know if I could have done it in that moment. But there's something even closer to home. About a month ago, Pierce County, I believe it was Parkland, remember when the two children were hit by that truck. A man fleeing from stealing. The one seven-year-old dies immediately. And I remember the father now, it happened that this is a Catholic family. The father, I will never forget his words. On the second interview, they were asking the news people, what do you think about the man who killed your daughter? Even those words that they use to provoke. And the man says, I pray what more would you want? I want the man who did this to carry a picture of my daughter for the rest of his life to remind him why he needs to change his life. Heroic. For a parent who has just lost their child. In that type of way, to be able to say publicly to the one who killed his daughter, I want you to carry her picture so you remember her and so that you would change your life. Grace and peace. Surely if he can do this, we have no excuse when it comes to the little hurts of people talking about us, all these other things that cause us to hate and to want revenge. That is probably one of the hardest things a Christian will ever have to do is what Jesus spoke about in his homily given to us by Luke. And uh, if you won't do it because he asked, if you won't do it for the sake of holiness, then go reread it and see what the end says. Unless you forgive, my Father will not forgive you. And there will be no place for you in the kingdom 
<laughs> this is personal. This is no longer about the one who offended you. This is now about you and Christ. So do it for that reason, then, so that you may have your place in the kingdom. But better to do it out of love and holiness and because the Master has asked for it.